Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Liz Loza. Over here is Matt Harmon. Over there is Brett, our producer. Hello. <laughs> That seems so docile, Liz. That's how I am. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. I'm, I'm um, all uh, hearts and rainbows and a couple of unicorns. Your pink is back. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Liz, how was your vacation? I definitely survived on a diet of tequila and raw oysters. Yeah. For most of <sighs> for the entirety, actually, of the trip. For me, it was tequila and Modelo's. And I'm sure there was oh, some Oh, you food. actually turned to tequila. Yep. I think I've crossed over. Oh, well, it's keto. <laughs> so that's fitting. There you go. Um, hey, did you guys watch the ESPYs last night? No. Are we not allowed to talk about the ESPYs because it's like our quote? We're not allowed to talk about okay. the ESPYs because they're lame. I went last year on the red carpet, and I'm glad I didn't go back this year. Um, it's kind of a tough, tough. I have a question. Yeah. So. Does Drew Brees have a daughter, or is she locked in the closet like Annabelle? What the F is going on? Annabelle. It's a horror film. Stay current, millennial. It's a, it's a movie. Which movie? Annabelle. Annabelle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> one of it. us is binging uh, Big Little Lies and the other one is going to horror films, apparently. Hell yeah. Big Little Lies, by the way. If you don't like Big Little Lies, I feel bad for you. That show rocks. That's... I love... Uh, can we get to fantasy football eventually? But, no. Uh, <laughs> I love uh, Laura Dern's husband with the train sets. He's just oh, my yeah. spirit animal. Yeah. The, she's just the grumpy... She's the grumpy, She's so great. Train she... husband. Also... <laughs> I love her so much that it makes me hate Ben Harper a little bit. I, yeah, you know, that is like, I, I'm like, oh, you're kind of a bitch, huh, Ben? I'm, I'm like, a, I like Ben I Harper, I saw him in concert. Too. I yeah, love him, yeah, too. But, like, but hold on, come what? On, yeah, they were, they were married. Laura Dern? Yeah. Yes. Mm. See, and you couldn't I, take I, it. I was watching Annabelle. You couldn't take what it. Not a lot of dudes can handle no. that. Weak, weak men can't handle it, you know? Nope. Um, from, it was from weak men to men who are Strong and the, like drafted well, fifth overall. Liz had a point about Drew the, Brees' daughter. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. We'll just ignore Drew Brees' daughter as much as he Le- does. <laughs> Next. So ESPN, who hosts the SBs, are uh, they're reporting this morning that unless Melvin Gordon receives a new contract this summer, he will request a trade and not report to camp. This is per his agent following. I mean, thank you, Le'Veon Bell. You also know it's football season because, hey, there's holdout news. That's exactly I love this. what I thought this morning as I got the news alert driving in here. I was like, oh, football. It's like kind of back. You know, if we're getting a holdout news and also like, I mean, it's not really news. Like it's just. Oh, it's, it's not. I mean, 
fine. I mean, it's not like a big thing. Well, but, once but Josh Jacobs signed, we needed something. That was right, right. right? I'm saying like, like that I could tell by Twitter today that it was like, well, we need something to talk about because people were popping off about this. And unfortunately, it comes back to like running backs don't matter and all that, and which is just kind of a, at this point like a tired subject. Everything has been said that could be said. It, it, you're starting to get into the weird like – you know, anti-labor type stuff. And, you know, oh, why is everybody just support owners? It, it's it's getting dark out there in the uh, in the running back contract discussion streets. So much um, so that Twitter actually just shut down for like a solid it, hour today. Yeah, right. Like Twitter did legit shut down. So it was the most freeing hour of my life. Yeah, it was kind of nice. So now, right, as fantasy wonks, we're supposed to say, wonks. well, are we how much are we? um pushing Gordon down in our rankings and which of these two not every down backs are we going to overinvest in Austin Eckler or is it Justin Jackson season? I mean, and do you have um, an issue with me saying that neither of them is suited to be an every down back? No, I think we saw Austin Eckler last year, at least in like he was a great player for the Chargers last year and I think he's a really good running back and he's actually maintained a high yards per carry two years in a row which normally we see that fluctuate back and forth with number one backs. breakaway run rate as of last year great for the fishbowl in fact yeah I think you know if you're drafting right now maybe you know put a pin in him late rounds but my my guess is that my instinct is that Melvin Gordon, you know, just like but just like with Le'Veon Bell last year, my instinct was Le'Veon Bell eventually shows up. He eventually plays games for the Steelers. He's not going to miss game checks. And I think Melvin Gordon eventually shows up and plays games for the Chargers because I he's mean, not what, Le'Veon Bell. He's well, he's not Le'Veon Bell. And also, like the the laughable part of it is like that he wants to be traded. If you're the Chargers, what are you accepting for Melvin Gordon? And if you're another team, what are you offering Mel- for Melvin Gordon? Like, let's put this into perspective. Melvin Gordon, like you said, is not Le'Veon Bell. He's he's a very, very good running back, but he's not at the level of, like, Le'Veon Bell. Who always Todd wears Gr- down at the end of the season, yes. definitely because of number of touches. But, like, you can't think about that without also immediately thinking about DeMarco Murray. Sure. Right? Like, DeMarco Murray to Philly or Buffalo? Philly. Philly, right after um, the Cowboys was dragging his legs. Like, there oh, have yeah, been was... plenty of studies. So, are you taking Melvin Gordon after the workhorse work that he's done in in LA slash San Diego or just relying on a stable of something that you already have. Yeah, and this is what's so tough about the running back position in general is that if you're the Chargers, you're very well incentivized to just, hey, we're not going to give you a contract extension. We're just going we're going to do the the DeMarco Murray model, right. run you into the ground for a year and then just let you walk away. Well, um, and there's going to be a Josh Adams, Peyton Barber, one of those UDFAs somewhere on the street on the sofa waiting for a job, a CJ Anderson, a Carlos Hyde, like one of those guys is going to exist. Yeah, if you're a good offense, I mean, we it does depend on the offensive ecosystem because, yeah, you can't just pull. Uh, my buddy Marcus Grant was tweeting about this day and he brought up the name Paul Perkins and it's like, Paul Perkins, what a pull. But like, yeah, you can't just pull up. If you're any team, you can't just pull up any jabroni from like the fifth round like Paul Perkins and be like, hey, you're a feature back now because your offense sucks. But if your offense is good, I think of like Tampa Bay, for example, like Tampa Bay actually should be able to create running back production because I think the rest of their offense would be good. But maybe they'd be a team that would be tempted by Melvin Gordon. But again, I just I don't see any team really willing to sacrifice. Like if that was the Chargers. Ronald Jones love would just would just die immediately again. So sad. Um, I just don't see any team willing to part with like a second round pick for Melvin Gordon. I think if you're the Chargers, you have to ask for that. You'd have to ask for that because what's the point of like, 
okay, you have a third rounder. I think I'd rather just have this season of Melvin Gordon when your window with your old franchise quarterback is closing. Agreed. Um, so let's talk about quarterbacks then. Sure. I mean, I think we've exhausted. Brett, do, do you feel like we've talked enough about Melvin Gordon? Totally. We can talk about him all summer. It doesn't feel like this is going Great. away. Great. All right. So let's talk about quarterbacks then because we've talked a lot about how drafting football Jesus, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson at the top of drafts is maybe not the most prudent strategy. Mm-hmm. The other one that most, quote, experts rely on, and if you're in an expert's draft, you'll see them go much later, is waiting on the position because of the depth. So right now, just to put things in perspective, Yahoo ADP has Mahomes in the middle of the second round and Watson and Luck going in the top of the fourth. And again, this is not a start two quarterback league or a super flex mm-hmm. league. This is just mm-hmm. like a, your standard one QB league. Um, so what if, Matt, you don't want to do that? What if you're like, you know what? Or maybe you do. Do you want to do that? No, I, okay. I don't. I Great. don't. I didn't think you would. <laughs> so what if you don't want to do that? Who are you going to roll with instead? Hmm. I think right now, based on drafts I'm not doing currently, but mm-hmm. drafts I've done this summer. Uh, I'm so, as popular as you are, I assumed you were doing twice as many as I was. Oh, I've been saying no. Good for you. Yeah, I, I just, I need my time, you know? I'm en- yeah. I, am en- I am enjoying... Living life, bro. I'm enjoying yeah, living life. Get in and it. I'm enjoying like being a little unplugged from football. It's got you for the next five yeah, months. Right. So you're, you're right. fine. Exactly. So take July. the next few weeks. Um But also then take his advice because he's clearly doing a lot of research. Well, I did I did actually <laughs> say just about thirty minutes ago, like I really should be doing like projections right now and like formulating and prepping for the season, but I'm not. Next that's for next week. That's for next week. That's for next week. Now for my very informed opinion on quarterbacks, um, I really like just a few guys off the top. Like Lamar Jackson's been someone that stands out to me because I think he has a great floor. And I also think he has access to a high ceiling because of things we've talked about on this podcast before where they spend two top 100 picks on wide receivers. I like Mark Andrews as a potential mm-hmm. breakout candidate this year. Willie Sneed, I think their skill sets, him and Lamar Jackson, jive well together because Lamar Jackson has been a proven good middle-of-the-field passer. And he needs a security blanket. And I think Snead could be that guy. So he's someone that I've been drafting. Uh, I know both you and I like Jimmy G. We uh, went back and forth about him. Yeah, but what Uh, about someone? So I'm just going to say, like, I'm not really interested right now in those guys who are, unless I'm drafting in a two-quarterback range. And I do have Jimmy G ridiculously high. I have him ranked 12, which is the highest of the Yahoo consensus. Not afraid of it, leaning into it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, all in. This is like this is Loza this year. I don't care anymore. Um, Leaning into it, mm-hmm. Liz Loza, 2019. Watch out. Um, I'm. I mean, look as the as the one here closest to you. I think I'm. I'm the one uh, most worried about it. Oh, Matt, come on. I don't care enough about you. I know that's to true. To throw it at you, come I on. I know that's true, but you never know. We can talk about guys in the QB 12 to 24 range, but I'm not interested in waiting that late because I do think getting a value. I like Carson Wentz a lot in these oh, drafts. Yeah. He's been yeah. in the eighth round. The options in the same place, Njoku, we've talked about how that has a lot of variance. The position alone, but also Cleveland's o- offense. Uh, Royce Freeman. I do like Royce Freeman, but I'd hope to invest on in running backs a little bit sooner than that point. And I think you can probably throw a dart later. So I don't really, his, his stock seems to have been rising, although Philip Lindsay isn't coming down as much as I'd like it to. Um, and Sterling Shepard, Ronald Jones, like those are all in the similar place as Carson Wentz. So when I think about 
what bang I'm going to get for that buck, I'm leaning into a ton of Carson Wentz right there. But that's, again, the beauty of this, of the depth that we have at the position right now. If you don't want to deal, he's my QB 10, I should say, overall. Below that, though, like, so are you waiting until after the first 12 quarterbacks are off? I mean, other than Lamar Jackson, who I don't like and we can talk about. Really? No. Hmm. Why is that? <laughs> well, there's a, are you avoiding anyone at all costs? And both Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are on that list. I'm, so you're not about Josh Allen. I'm all about watching both of these players develop mm-hmm. and play. And I'm mm-hmm. excited about their potential from an IRL football standpoint, mm-hmm. but not in fantasy. Um, Josh Allen, you've said many times, accurately, beautifully, brilliantly that he plays like his hair's on fire. And I think there's no better description of what Josh Allen can do than that. But I mean, he had a 52.8% completion percentage. I mean, you think Cole Beasley is going to solve all those problems? (laughs) Like like to me that I understand that the cheat codes are in both of these passers legs, but like it's not sustainable. Defenses are going to flip and figure things out. And to me, Lamar is a great product who is growing into himself. And we've talked about and agreed that the offense is clearly trying to make him evolve, but evolution takes time. And this is a consistent thing that we talk about. Like, evolution doesn't just happen because it's written up. The games actually have to take place. And so when I read that he's still struggling with his mechanics at OTAs, I'm concerned, and I'm also concerned when I look at that defense. And I know that you believe that the Ravens will be able to get together on defense despite the holes that they currently have because that's what they do. They're not going to be able to do that in the first month to six weeks of the season. So if that defense is struggling, Lamar's going to be forced to pass more. That's a lot of interceptions. I just feel like no thank you when I can have Jimmy G. I mean, Jimmy G's working with Tom House. What better? Yeah, what yeah, better? Yeah. <laughs> what, I'm being facetious, but like... um, so, so those are two guys that I'm staying away from for sure. So, but the, thing, the thing that I like about both of these two guys, Josh Allen later and Lamar Jackson a little bit earlier, and Jimmy Garoppolo is the same way. If I'm taking a quarterback in this area, I'm almost certainly not attaching myself to them for the remainder of the season. I'm viewing them as a streaming asset. And but if I'm taking a but if I'm taking a quarterback with the intent to stream, I'm either going to take them, you know, in rounds. 10 to 13, and in that range, then I'm thinking about, okay, what is the possibility, what's the range of outcome for this player where I think they vastly outkick their ADP and they become like last year's Patrick Mahomes. Like A lot of people took Patrick Mahomes as a streaming quarterback last year, and then he ends up becoming your your starting quarterback for the rest of the year. Now, no one expects any of these players to go out and throw 50 freaking touchdowns, but it's that kind of philosophy. Like, okay, I can tell myself the story of how Lamar Jackson becomes an every week fantasy asset. I can tell myself a, like, you can, yes, just because of the, because of the rushing ability. And if he takes another step or two, I mean, he was a starting fantasy quarterback when he started last year. Obviously we don't expect him to rush that much, but if he, but don't you think defenses are also going to figure things out? based on tape from the last six weeks of potentially last year potentially and then the beauty of that is if that if that's what happens Lamar Jackson's gone and then you know someone like Derek Carr whoever is has the good matchup that week whether it's Sam Darnold I don't know like then that guy becomes the quarterback and then I'm streaming so really the only way I want really the only way I'm taking a quarterback here is if I think they have you know access to a top 10 every week ceiling and you know for example a guy like 
Kirk Cousins, I don't think, has that in his range of outcomes this year. Matthew Stafford, I don't think, has that in his range of outcomes this year. Sam Darnold? No. I think he has good real-life quarterback uh, in his range of outcomes this year, but I don't think the weapons are all the way there yet. And hmm. Let's play a little game of Would You Rather. I love Would You Rather. Would You Rather. So you love it so much you couldn't even say it. Yeah, I got so tongue-tied. Um, would you rather have Derek Carr or Nick Foles? This is actually Derek Carr, no question. I'm actually maybe sneaky Into intrigued Derek? Yeah, by Derek I'm Carr. the same thing. He's my second quarterback in the Scott Fishbowl. Uh, my first is Aaron Rodgers. Because you believe Antonio Brown is so damn good he can drag him into production? Yeah, I mean, the whole supporting cast is so much better last year. And Carr, to his credit, and I, I don't really particularly like Derek Carr as a quarterback. I think he's just – he's Andy Dalton with maybe a little bit more flash. But Andy Dalton has been good when Andy the surrounding pieces in, have been good. Been good in fantasy. But I'm from a right. real-life quarterback perspective, he's, you know, the ultimate anchor. And um, I think Derek Carr is kind of the same way. But – Derek Carr has proven he was also productive in fantasy when he had two good receivers in Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper when those guys were popping off. And the supporting cast, to, you know, to, to Derek Carr's credit, he played pretty good football to end the 2018 season. I mean, it didn't matter because the Raiders were garbage. And, like, think about who he was working with. Think, Marcel Aitman, like, give me a break. And now he's got Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams, Hunter Renfro's popping in in, uh, in unpadded practice, which is, like, the most predictable thing ever. Like, the quick slot receiver rookie is popping in practice. Stunning. Uh, you know, you've got— um, Daniel Jeremiah has been high on that kid since the Senior Bowl. Oh, it would not be shocking. At, I mean, again, with all asterisks of the fact that it is— like a quick slot receiver popping off in mini camps, which is pretty usual. I wouldn't be surprised if Hunter Renfro goes out and catches like fifty to sixty passes because Derek Carr loves to check it down, and that's the that's the slot receiver of of this group. Darren Waller's getting some hype as like yeah, a breakout tight end. Let's, let's save it. Let's save okay, it. We're right, talk right. positions a little bit later. All right. Um, all right, I'm I'm with you on that analysis. Uh, also, I I just want to be tied to what I think will be the better offense ultimately. And yes. You know, that's an obvious That's going to be the better offense. Jacksonville, woof. Sam Darnold or Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins. Really? Yes. Talk to me. Well, uh, well let me say this much okay. because uh, to me, this is a very close. I think you and I have discussed before how we are both on team Kirk Cousins um, yeah. and how his. For better or worse. Right. How his. <laughs> well, it's such an easy. I think it's such an easy thing to be like, oh, that guy's trash. But, like, did you watch him in Washington? Because his evolution has been incredible. And there was so much pressure placed on his shoulders because the amount of money he was being paid in Minnesota to be this freaking savior. And and I think we both agree that the supporting cast last year is not as good as it's hyped up to be. They have two elite receivers, but it gets so shallow after that. And they buried him. Like, I mean, I think, like, I've said this before, when I went to the week four Rams game against the Vikings, like, Flip and McVay were calling... It was Super Bowl-like until the Kansas City Rams game, but, like, it was incredible... Um, watching these play callers ping pong back and forth, and that does—that's not the culture in Minnesota right now, no. right? Like, so there's been an obvious shift. So let me just let's talk about because I think both that we have to look at the like end of the season for both of them, which is particularly difficult because the data pools aren't terribly large, but. Darnold, when he came on back after injury, averaged over the end of the season 1.3 uh, scores per week. So if you multiply that out for 16 weeks it's about 26 touchdowns cousins over the last after that seattle game 1.7 scores per week again i'm recognizing that the data pool is small but it's a similar number that's 28 28 touchdowns over the season do we think either of these guys could 
best 28 scores. Maybe no. Cousins runs one in to get 20. I mean, like, Cousins threw 30 last year. But again, there's a, a shift. So, right. I don't know. Between the two of them, though, I am, guess, leaning more towards Darnold and not Cousins, despite the fact that Cousins is more proven because I want to believe in upside. Yeah, I, I just think that if... I do think that Minnesota wants to be run heavy, and I think they'll probably accomplish that. But I actually think, like, efficiency-wise, that could end up being better for Kirk Cousins. You know, he's been a good play-action passer in the in the past. If they do bring that which into— Which tight end the, is he got? I mean, I, I hear you there. But they got two They got two of them now. Kyle Rudolph locked up for the we long term. We spent a ton of last episode, whichever—or three episodes ago. I don't remember. Hard to say. We had a fake we, episode in the middle of there. Right. Where, yeah. Um. So go on about your efficiency conversation. I mean, I'm just it, trying to work this out in my he head. He has the two. He has two great receivers. Again, yep. no number three to speak of. But even if his pass attempts are scaled back a little bit, if he has more time in the pocket, potentially, um, if they're working more that boot boot play action system, you know, Gary Kubiak and the boys are all up in there now. Um, I think in the end, he could end up having a more efficient season this year, um, and not necessarily give you a tremendous. I don't. I don't. I think the the gap between his ceiling and floor will remain the same, but I think the ceiling goes up a little bit because of that efficiency perspective, and the floor comes up a little bit as well. So, just in the end, I just don't really know what to make of the Jets. I I, I really like Sam Donald as a talent, and I like a lot of what's going on there from a skill position perspective. I think Chris Herndon and the rookie they drafted, what's his name, Wesco, the tight end. I think that's an interesting combo. I think Robbie Anderson is really good, ready to break out this year. Anunwa, you know, Jameson Crowder, all these guys. Good. Um, Le'Veon offense, Bell? Yeah, right, of course, Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Bury the lead, Harmon. Uh, the line is... It's fine. They've got the assembly. Yeah, um, it's fine. Um, but I just worry about the Gase thing. I still worry, I still well, worry about Gase. So that is completely... But that is like an anecdotal fantasy sofa sort of yeah. problem, which I'm happy to lean into. I also just don't... Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a tough call. I like the upside of the unknown a little bit more. Yeah, oh, totally fair. And again, if you're if you're looking at quarterbacks in this range and you believe in Sam Darnold as a guy that can... Then you must love that Madison kid because there's no other person that you're drafting instead. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, go ahead. I was just going to say, if you really believe in Sam Darnold and, you know, then sure, take him if you think he has that ability to be an every week starter, go for it because you'll probably find out pretty early in the season like if you're right or wrong. And if you're wrong, who cares? It's it's quarterback. It doesn't matter. You can just cut them and pick up another one. There's a thousand of them out Streaming there. Streaming is an option. And are you, Matt, ever drafting two quarterbacks in a single quarterback league? No. Why? Because what are you doing with that bad quarterback? Because it's the ultimate man move. Oh, it is the ultimate man move. Yeah. That, I think the ultimate man move actually might be, well, I don't even, Let like, me show the, you a mock I did, and let me show you the person who did it, and you will... The, I saw it, and I was like, ma'am, ma'am. Liz, it's been nice to see you so far, but this is the most excited I've been. <laughs> um, what about well, drafting a backup tight end? That's pretty. That's a pretty ma'am move, too. I mean, drafting tight end, period, is mammy. You can leave that slot open. If, yeah, I mean, some like, like some, some, uh, I don't, does Yahoo allow you to do that? Cause sometimes you can like, like in the auction draft I did, I didn't draft I a think, defense. I, I, I just put a wide receiver in there. I have a feeling now. 
Matt loves rookies. Um, he's talked about them a lot on his podcast, which is called Rookie Orientation. You can subscribe to that wherever still you happening. listen to your podcast. It is still happening. You did an excellent one about Noah Fant. The rest have been fine. But Noah Fant you was know, I think, excellent. I think Drew Locke, for, just for what, just random, I haven't done these ones yet, but I think Drew Locke will also be fantastic. And I have a good, really good feeling about the Greedy Williams episode, too. There's a really beautiful analogy in the Greedy Williams um, about his skill set. Yeah. I mean, there was a great one to lead off the Noah Fant episode. Whoever that first, <laughs> the first voice of the Noah Fant episode, someone should give that person um, a raise. A raise <laughs> um, you know, maybe a new car. No, I think that person just bought a new car. It's fine. M- maybe, uh, you know, some more time off, paid time off, some more, t- t- whatever she wants. He or she. Hard to say. Uh, hard to say. <laughs> hard, 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 hard to, say. to say. I think this person, you know what? They're just, uh, they're so good. They need to be talked about in their third person. In the, they're three spirit. How about that? So why don't we revisit the rookie class of 2018 rather than predicting the performance of players that we haven't seen before, which again, Matt does beautifully on the Rookie Orientation podcast. I want to talk about sophomore leaps, obviously. Let's go position by position. Quarterback, here are your options. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, who we've discussed, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, all of whom we've discussed, and Josh Rosen, who I did catch feelings for, but— We don't need to discuss. Right, because the answer is— We don't need to take the back—we don't need to discuss the backup quarterback for the worst team in the NFL. Okay. Also, Baker Mayfield, I feel like is a little. Bit this of a is cheat. an obvious. He's answer. a little bit of a cheat, a cheat uh, option in here um, because I think he kind of already has broken out. I mean, people are aggressively drafting uh, Baker Mayfield. I took him in one draft, but where did you take talked him? To, uh, I don't remember. Okay, it was a long one. Uh, so anyway, I think Baker Mayfield is the honest answer. But you're right; I'll agree with you. Top ten in red zone and deep ball completion last year. He's going to flirt with 4,000-plus yards, 30 touchdowns. I don't think any of this is a secret, right? So Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. I won't even throw—I won't even insult you just, by throwing Josh I'm Rosen's dirty little name I out mean, there. I mean, I just feel kind of bad for Josh Rosen because he, like, he goes from a god-awful offensive line at UCLA to a god-awful offensive line in Arizona last year. And I think Miami might have the worst, the stone-worst line in the league this year. Well, it doesn't—I mean, the, I said— I'm very a month or so ago. I'm very worried that poor Josh Rosen is going to like he's going to see a shadow this year, and it's going to be Groundhog Day all over again because it's just going to be like have the you exact ever seen same that movie? thing. Yeah, I have actually <laughs> seen that movie. You know, bits and pieces. Um, can I say something just funny about Baker Mayfield that just popped in? I mean, it's not going to be funny to anybody. I'm going to waste everybody's time by saying it, but I'm going to say it anyways. You know, like as an analyst, when you get like you get like that one like one stat in your head that you can just like kind of drop every now and again, just like if you need it. Um, but it's like not that great. I remember I can remember a period in March where I kept saying Baker Mayfield, he had the six most passing uh, deep passing yards last year, despite not starting all 16 games. I remember writing it like three times, saying it on the podcast three times, saying it to you on a live stream like three times. And uh, what was it? I, I wasn't paying attention. He had the six most pass, deep passing yards last year, despite not starting 16 games. And I had forgotten that until just now when you brought up the deep passing thing. The deep ball completion percentage. Right. Yeah. You're welcome for the peek behind the curtain. Let's talk about running backs. Swipe up to read my blog post. So we're not going to talk about Saquon because that's obvious. Rashad Penny, Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, Ronald Jones, Carrion Johnson, Darius Geis, Royce Freeman, Philip Lindsay, Naheem Hines, Kalen Balage. Can I make the argument that Nick Chubb is also too obvious? Well, he's number one on my list, so that's fine. Who after that? Hmm. I really like Rashad Penny. I've said this previously. 
Really? I, I do like Rashad Penny. I, I think that heading into last year, I mean, let's not forget that the team traded up for him. I don't think they expected Chris Carson to be as healthy slash effective as he ended up. So why not take the lower draft prospect and run him into the ground, especially because, quote, running backs don't matter, and save the draft capital that you spent more on to last a longer amount of time? I also think, given Rashad Penny's, and I've said this before, I know you disagreed, that's fine, because of his receiving ability and the absence of Doug Baldwin, you're going to see him line up in the slot a lot more. So hmm. I think in PPR-friendly formats, Rashad Penny is a nice, like, the meat of the draft, right? Like, if you look at the draft like a sandwich and you're just getting into, like, all of the roast beef. I don't eat meat, but, like, the roast beef in the middle there. You don't eat meat at all anymore? I eat chicken, I guess. Right. Yeah, no. you're right. Okay. Um, I was just checking on the status. You ate an octopus that. in front of me That's on Instagram. <laughs> Or what's your name, Brett? That's hey. Brett. Um, I did eat octopus. I, I eat and oysters. So I eat seafood and fish. I don't. What I mean is I don't eat roast seafood beef. and chicken. You said seafood and fish. <laughs> so I do eat. So I do eat seafood and poultry. I don't eat red meat. There you pork. go. You eat quail. Yeah, is I that, love quail. That's my favorite thing in the world to eat. I don't think I've ever eaten quail. Oh, quail! Ooh, truffle stuffed quail. Very good. Is what about excellent. duck? No, too gamey for me. Duck is, I had a duck when I was back home. It was <laughs> too gamey. It was, this duck was good, but it was like, I know why I don't eat this all the oh, time. Oh, man. So, wait, this is just a little bit of a tangent. One year for Christmas, my ma, she got a goose for Christmas because my ma at the time was um, my mom. I should say my accent comes out when I talk about home. We went from ma <laughs> to goose and it was quite a journey. <laughs> So she she was an attorney, for, like a family law attorney for a long, long time, most of her career. And so sometimes when her clients couldn't afford to pay her, they'd pay her in items like a box of oranges, frozen pulpo, a goose for Christmas. A goose. <laughs> so a Christmas goose. My ma got a Christmas goose and she, my ma is not a good cook. Like <laughs> she doesn't listen to this, so I'm not worried about it. She's not a good cook. I definitely inherited that gene from her. Um, but she like efforted to make a Christmas goose and we all dug in and there was still buckshot in it. <laughs> Legit. I will never, ever, ever like even look oh. at a goose the same way. Like I remember my step grandma who at the time was old AF, like whatever, like grandma ish, like yeah. super grandma years. Yeah. Um, like broke a tooth because <laughs> she like bit into the buckshot. That. Is rough. Yeah. Yikes. Anyway, Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny, the buckshot in the middle of the truck. <laughs> the <laughs> goose pull, with some pull, buckshot in his pulling, ass in the middle of the You're pulling sandwich meat off your, uh, your, the sandwich of your draft. So I, and... I like his value for the reasons just stated. I think he I can be an efficient any, player. I don't even have any standalone value unless Chris Carson gets hurt. And Chris Carson's kind of a pick that I like right now because he goes so late. As far as those, like, theoretical every down backs go? Yes. Yeah. I'm kind of coming back around on Sony Michelle a little bit. Oh, but gross. I just met Sony Michelle on Tuesday. That's always what you do, Matt. Well, no. I was – even before – I had literally just drafted him in the Scott Fishbowl right before I meant, met, met him. I mean, it's not – he's not a comfortable pick to make, but he is, like um, – I just think if you're swinging for the fences and you're willing to take on a lot of risk, he does have a great ceiling. And just to be clear, because you know we're going to get this question, are you handcuffing mm. Damian Harris later? No, I'm not handcuffing because I'm not a ma'am. Um, I know. And, and I'm asking the question not because. Of course, because you're a professional host and you're, you're teeing me and up. And analyst. Thank host you. and analyst. Well, you're the professional host of this podcast because it's sure, sure, sure it's not me. Now. What I was saying was, 
not going to handcuff him because I'm not a man. But I'm if I'm not drafting Sony Michelle, I would love to draft Damian Harris later because, as I mentioned, there's a lot of risk with Sony Michelle. So if things go wrong, Damian Harris makes for a, a later great round too. I think the tone around Michelle has gotten a little bit better from like a month ago when it was like, where is the guy? He hasn't practiced yet. But again, obviously a risky pick. There's no question about that. And then in terms of the rest of these guys, I think it's like carry on Johnson and then that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. In terms of guys I'm interested in, not about not about Darius guys, the Denver running back split. I don't know where you stand on this, but I mean we kind of talked about it earlier. But Royce Freeman's a guy I would like to draft if I go wide receiver heavy early, and then would like yep. to bet that Freeman becomes an every down back because he's um, you know a better fit for the system that they're going to run this year, and or just something goes wrong with Philip Lindsay, whatever. Then he well, and he's not a, fully back, and he's not fully back, and and just if he gets injured again, great, you're you're in a you're in a good spot. I also like this news tidbit because I think when you so like Lindsay's explosiveness is amazing, but he has a wrist injury, and also his pass catching ability was something that really helped him last year. New offensive mind coming to. That, that comes from the Shanahan tree that's coming to Denver now. And Royce Freeman, because of Philip Lindsay's absence, has been taking more reps as a receiver and being able to improve and show out in that way, which I think also just benefits his ability to stay on the field yeah. and make the offense less predictable. So yeah. it is a split, but yeah. I do think of the two, one is ascending and the other one is taking a couple of steps back. He actually didn't even, he wasn't a bad receiver at Oregon either. He had a pretty decent pass catching history. So, I mean, this is something we should feel pretty confident that he can do that as a part of his game. And Royce Freeman, for all of the heat that people like Brad Evans took last year um, for, you know, he had a high ankle sprain. He had a high ankle sprain and it wasn't a good offense. There was a lot. And he just got outplayed by a rookie, another a fellow rookie. A rookie a, who is also from the area. Yeah, it's a good, good, story. good story. You can sell those jerseys like there, there's more there. The, yeah, the point of all that is that he was a good, like Royce Freeman was a good prospect. If you were putting a bet on him, be, I think there was a lot of flaws to put the bet on the situation. And Brad and I talked about that plenty last year. But the the smart bet was that he's a good back because I still think he's a good back. And right. then, of course, there's Ronald Jones. And, you know, I think, well, we're optimistic. I'm optimistic. Oh, I, I didn't mean that as like a noise. That was more like a, we've talked about this one before. We know where we stand. Let's talk about wide receivers. Um, All right. Now I'm, I'm engaged. Now I'm, you're paying attention. Well, the, so I didn't really do a bunch of heavy lifting on this one because we have an entire Matt Harmon wide receiver reception perception focused episode that you can go back and listen to if you want to get the, I would say, some really enthralling analysis from my co-hosting partner here. Hey, thanks. You're welcome. See, I'm nice to you plenty. I didn't say you weren't, Liz. I feel that you treat me very well. DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, Cortland Sutton, Dante Pettis, Christian Kirk, Anthony Miller, James Washington, DJ Chark. Come on. Michael Gallup. <laughs> Why are you putting DJ Chark on this <laughs> list for, Brett? He's a second-year player. He does count in name alone. Kiki Cutie, Antonio Callaway, MBS, and ESB. Who so is get ready for the Charknado, everybody. <laughs> Yikes. So let's say we've already – I feel like we've covered DJ Moore plenty. Yeah. I feel like we've covered Calvin Ridley plenty. Sure. And Cortland Sutton, I think we know where we stand on him. The I two, took a nap for that part of the episode. Yeah, it was, that's because there wasn't much to see. Wasn't much to see with so Cortland Dante Sutton. So Dante Pettis, I think we also talked about. Christian Kirk we talked about. And Anthony Miller we talked about. Do you want to talk about those guys more? Well, I don't – did we talk about Christian Kirk and Dante Pettis? Because those are two guys I really like. And, and I'm still – I'm kind of surprised with how cheap they are still. Well, I think the worry about Dante Pettis is that Goodwin is healthy again. Yawn. 
right? There are questions around Jimmy Garoppolo's health, right? So, Yawn. but this is also this is also something that happens because I think when people when fantasy footballers tune out after their teams don't make the the fantasy playoffs around week fourteen, right? They don't they miss the whole damn last month of the season, and so there are a lot of players that perform then and can carry that momentum into the following year. And Pettis was one of those guys who flashed intermittently, but if you were already checked out because your team was, you missed it. I think that's a great point. And, um, yeah, Pettis was great to end the season. I mean, in reception perception, he was like a, a 70% success rate versus man coverage player when, when he was Look playing. Look at that stat. He doesn't even have notes in front of him, guys. That's how good this <laughs> is. <laughs> I would not say it's how good I am. I would say it's that uh, it's just a lot of time spent <laughs> with the data. <laughs> and um, I think that Liz clearly hasn't spent a lot of time in front of a microphone recently. <laughs> Anyways, I really like Dante Pettis. He's cheap. I think he. I think he's the odds-on favorite. You know, this side of George Kittle to lead the passing game, and Christian Kirk is. I feel the same way in Arizona. I'm very excited to draft Christian Kirk, and both these guys are still because of like not. Can we get specific? Because maybe you just told me this personally and not on the episode. But Christian Kirk together. I know. I yeah. Um. So. Oh, I would love to know what you were going to say there, but let's go. Christian Kirk, his ability to evolve beyond just a slot guy, beyond the heir apparent to Larry Fitzgerald, but work as an outside receiver is the other part of the reason that through your charting, you were able to make this determination. Yeah, I think that he... That's massive. Right. Bro, that shit gets me excited. I'm excited for football now. Yeah, right. I mean, definitely that's something that was really cool to see. Because I remember asking him, another player I met, like, back at the network, I was like, did... I asked him, I was like, you played in the slot, you know, like 98% of your snaps last year. Can you play outside? And he was I'll do definitive anything. that he could. And to his credit, he went out and did it because he was mostly an outside receiver last year for the Cardinals. I still think he mostly plays inside this year because, remember, this is going to be a four-wide receiver offense. They're going to have yep. a lot of guys out on the field there, and I think he'll be one of the slots. Maybe Larry Fitzgerald, maybe Andy Isabella is the other slot. That's an interesting to see with Larry Fitzgerald. Does he end up playing more slot or outside this year it's hard to say who knows well i don't think he has the explosiveness to play outside neither do i which is a little troublesome yeah um but yeah so i but overall because isabella was mostly a slot receiver in college at mass right so it's, it's just a lot of potential slot guys but kirk has shown that he can do flanker he can do slot and i just re i mean the more i think about this arizona offense the more i'm excited about it for fantasy I'm not there yet, but we'll get there. I also we'll think you. they're we'll they're, there well, they're they're beginning schedule. The, their it's opening season schedule is not easy, and also isn't going to allow for a lot of opportunity because they're facing. I mean, they face like Baltimore week two at Baltimore. Yeah. So I just don't think the time of possession is going to lean their way. Yeah, I but agree. that's a deeper conversation about Arizona. Anthony Miller, baby Doug Baldwin, we both like. So let's let's look at this other one. Uh, D- James Washington. Let me tell you who I'm most interested in. After. After Anthony Miller, because I would say that the rest, those those first two guys we have talked about. Can plenty. I guess? It's either. It's one of three. Okay. Michael Gallup, Traquan Smith, or MVS? Uh, I think it's Michael Gallup, Kiki Cutie, or MVS. Or those are the three that interest me the so most. So not Traquan, okay. And the one that I think, no, I'm not, I, I like Traquan enough as a player, but I'm. You're worried about the worried uh, about style of play and the needing to check down as the season mm-hmm, progresses because mm-hmm. he's 40. And uh, but Michael Gallup is interesting only because I liked the player coming out of school. I actually think he kind of had an underrated rookie season. Like 
he was when Amari Cooper was in there functioning as the flanker slot receiver. Michael Gallup's out there playing X. That's a tough task for a also rookie. Also getting nice cushion. And and was was effective. You know, he he had his moments, even if he wasn't a great fantasy player. And that's the question, of course, this year. Is he going to become a great fantasy player with Zeke Elliott back there, with Jason Witten back there sucking up wind, with uh, Amari Cooper, you know, inhaling most of the targets? Probably not, but... But if talent is the tiebreaker. If talent's the tiebreaker and also it is at least interesting that we're hearing a lot of positive buzz about Kellen Moore, who of course was like the backup for like, you know, five minutes ago. But at the same time, also interesting young guy who is insistent that he's going to move the offense into the modern era. And if that is the case, I really am kind of curious what this Cowboys offense looks like, you know, out, you know, because they were literally doing everything wrong, like from a modern NFL offensive perspective. They're based on the run. They're running on first down. They're not playing. You're not shooting off play action enough. They're not throwing to the running back enough. You know, they've done all that throughout the Scott Linehan era. And if they become like more of a modern offense under Kellen Moore, I think that makes me for 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 the first time in a while interested in the ancillary pieces in this offense. Kiki, you like because you saw him progress so much, and if he can work, if he can stay healthy and work with. Will Fuller. Well, I mean, he's going to revolve in and out, right? I With think Will Fuller. There's a couple of there's a couple ways to look at the Kiki Cutie thing, which it's kind of crowded between. I mean, these are three good receivers. Obviously, Hopkins is a stud. Mm-hmm. Fuller is a stud when he's on the field, and you know has a legit trump card trait in the deep game, even though he is coming off an injury. Kiki Cutie had a weird role last year when he was because he was never really healthy. I think there's more deep game ability to unlock with Kiki Cutie, but even so, even if he's just a slot receiver there, I like this passing offense a lot. I like Houston a lot. Deshaun Watson, I think didn't get enough credit for what an awesome season he had last year coming off an ACL. Like he was basically right back to what yeah. he was as a rookie, but actually even better because he was a better fantasy quarterback as a rookie, but he was also like, he would throw those like mind numbing interceptions last year. He was just actually good. And their backfield is super it's mamish. It's oh, a disaster. It's the most mamish. mamish. Um, and their tight ends are, all the question marks. I actually called. We were in on my group chat today. We were talking about our Scott Fishbowl rosters, and Galhar drafted Lamar Miller. I said, "You're such a man, bro." Um, let's talk about tight ends. Is that okay? Yeah. Can I we mean, move this on? Is, this is an ugly list, but I think now is the well. Let me give you the names: Hayden Hurst, aka Giant Spain of Baltimore; Mike Gesicki. He's as uh, he's as old as Brett. Dallas Goddard, Mark Andrews, Jordan Aiken slash Jordan Thomas, Ian Thomas, who's backing up Greg Olson, Chris Herndon, and Will Disley. Well, besides the fact that Chris Herndon is going to be top five tight end per you, uh, (laughs) how do you feel about Dallas Goddard? Because that's actually an interesting debate. I think that Dallas Goddard is only interesting because he makes me not want to draft Zach Ertz as high as Zach Ertz is being drafted. You were talking about Carson Wentz earlier. This Philly supporting cast is awesome. Is awesome. Yeah. Deshaun. Alshon, Sean Alshon, Ertz, Goddard, Sanders back there now. I mean, Jordan Howard is still an effective runner. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside waiting in the rings. And and Nelson Aguilar is no slouch. I mean, he's had his moments. He's not like a main part of a passing game. But as your slot receiver— He's got the Marcus Grant shine in your head there. Well, listen, I I used to love Nelson Aguilar back when he was at USC, but— you know, he had that one year and I was like, cool, justified enough. I can rest in peace. Yeah. I don't need him to do anything else for the rest of his career. He didn't completely, you know, throw up on his shoes for his entire life. So interesting as like a slot receiver, though. But I mean, yes, this this Philly offense is it's so stacked that I'm I'm it's a little intriguing that people are so 
willing to draft Dallas Goddard as a potential like tight end one. It's a volume issue. It's a volume um, issue for sure. I so Matt has been lovingly teasing me always about my Chris Herndon love for. I don't know. It feels like months, man. So I, I thought I'd use this time to, to speak about it. I'll scoot back from the mic. So everyone is, oh, man. <laughs> of course. Uh, so I feel like you can either get tilted about this two-game suspension or you can lean into the value that it is creating. Because I'm just like, oh, man, he's in a two-game suspension. That's cool. Mm. Let me have him cheaper. We all stream at tight end. We talked about streaming at quarterback earlier. It's even easier to do at tight end. I think that when you have a prospect that flashed as much as he did in his rookie year, something that is notoriously difficult to do, you have my attention. I understand there are now new pieces, and like that's probably your complaint. The same as Dallas Goddard. Like you've got Le'Veon Bell and you've got Jamison Crowder and all of these other options, but you don't have a big body in the red zone for a young quarterback who has already established chemistry and rapport to rely on. I mean, averaging 13 yards per reception, that's tight end nine last year, true catch rate of almost 93%. That was tight end one last year. Like, that deserves attention and respect. And new GM Joe Douglas said he wanted to draft Chris Herndon when he was with the Eagles. So to me, that's a, a, like a, a pre-existing knowledge and appreciation for the player. Graham Barfield on Twitter pointed out that oh, Herndon was one of the one of just 18 first-year tight ends to put over 500 receiving yards in the last 30 years. That's longer than you have been alive, Matt. Almost uh, two years that longer than I've been alive. Correct. So I think when you look at all that he accomplished last year, and his red zone potential this year. When you're also baking in the value, who better among this muck to draft? Yeah, I get it. And maybe I have been too hard on Chris Herndon. Um, All I had to do was quote Barfield and now you're in. (laughs) That's not why. I think that was a compelling case all around. That was a compelling case all around. Um, but, you know, of course, the cherry on top is that you uh, quoted the handsome Graham Barfield. Nice hair Graham has. Make you jealous? No, I'm kind of over the whole hair thing at this point. I could lose it now. Your hair? Yeah. No. Wait, please do that. I don't I don't actually want to lose <laughs> that it That would yet. be fantastic. If, if Matt could be bald by the end of the season. I'll work on it. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> no, I don't, I'm not ready to be bald yet. But I'm, I'm accepting the fact that it's going to happen eventually. Anyways, point being. Maybe I've been too hard on Chris Hernan. The, the, this trouble is, is that, yeah, the two-game suspension is tough because I'm going to burn a roster spot during the most valuable waiver portions of the season. Uh, and then I have to just hope that this guy is what we, you, are hoping he becomes. That's a tough sell. You're not taking him super late. No. Well, what, what are you talking about? You're not having to spend a lot of draft capital no, on him. But I'm still, but if I'm drafting him... He's going to have to sit on my bench for two weeks. Oh, that piece of it. Yeah. Okay, fine. That's sure. what I'm saying. I'm burning a roster spot for two weeks during the most valuable Wait. waiver portion of, like, if it, if I'm sitting there, I'm like, great, I've drafted Chris Herndon, and there's, like, a running back that pops in the first, like, there's a Philip Lindsay that pops in the first week. Herndon's going to be the first guy to go. That's a lot likely. of ifs. I mean, sure. That's but- a lot of ifs, Matt, to back up a conversation. When, when, when you've been asked about Dalvin Cook's durability, and the answer is tough, like, 
come on. Oh, I know. I said you made a compelling case. I'm just, this is the thing that still that's still That's the nagging up. piece of it yes. for you. Fine. I understand. You can't, listen, sometimes you got to be a mam about some shit. Like, that's okay. <laughs> we all have our mam moments. This is yours. I think it's a smart move. Uh, I'm, I'm being forward thinking. Okay. Um, let's talk. Can we close this out with some talk about the Scott Fishbowl? Yeah, if we must. I hate my team. Well, then why don't you begin? Let's get it over with for you. No, you explain start. what that is for the audience. Goodness. So Scott Fish is a guy out of Minnesota who is an amazing human being. Works and, for Fanball. Yep. And he created this tournament, I guess. What, what's the best way to... It's this multi-field tournament, yeah. Uh, this there's numerous like leagues within. No, the whole thing is a league, but there's numerous divisions and teams within divisions, and it's up to how many people are in this year. God, it was like it's like over a nine hundred, right? Yeah, I think it's close to that. So there's a thousand people playing, and there's prizes, but mostly it's just like super fun. And he changes the rules every year. He changes the scoring rules. It's super flex. Last year was wildly tight end premium, which screwed a lot of people. This year, um, still, still is the tight it end still bonus, is tight yeah. end premium, but like the new wrinkle is that he's added these big play points. So any of your big play players, there's like a best ball element. It's real deep, bro. You wanted me to I've explain been in a it. League. No, I've been in a league for about ten years that has bonus points for touchdowns over 30, 50. Oh. 40, 50 yards for yeah. skill position players, not for the quarterbacks. Yep, kill me. Kill me. <laughs> this is basically what it is. So your yeah. Philip Lindsay's are going to go really high. You know, you're uh, you're having a great week, and then some. To use Matt Parlin's goofball, <laughs> scores a 59 yard touchdown, and it kills you. It Forgot kills about you. Goofball. Oh man, can oh. you imagine Derrick Henry's run from last year in this scoring format? Oh. Boom, like Vegas. Um. So, and it is start two quarterbacks, and every damn year. I get super banged. Flex. Well, it's super Which flex. basically you better start two quarterbacks. Yeah. Every damn year, I have gotten banged oh, on no. the second quarterback. I always, yeah. I'm always like, no way, no way. Look Flacco. at all this value elsewhere. I oh know. my god! And then, yep. and then I end up, you know, starting Ryan damn Tannehill or something, and it's it's I, miserable. Yeah, you don't want to get caught with Nick Foles this year or something like that. Um, so I did not do that this year on purpose. I prioritized, even though I know that the quarterbacks have a little bit less value because of the big play thing. I still was like, no, I have two damn quarterbacks I feel okay about. Uh, we should also mention, too, like... There's a charity element. There's a charity element, too, that is tremendous. Last year, I think it was, like, raised $44,000 for Toys for Tots. Like, it's a yeah, whole thing. Like, I, if, you go to, if you want more details on it, you go to fantasycares.net. Um, and if you guys watch the... I, I went to Target and bought $300 worth of um, toys for Toys for Tots with two Marines and my son... Uh, the social team here produced it. So if you caught that, this is the league that was attached to that. So let's talk about... Let's talk about why I hate my team. Sure. <laughs> I thought I had a nice start. Um, ninth overall pick, which is not a great spot this year. Don't love that. Um, I went to Devontae Adams. Felt great about that. Sure. Cool. Love it. Also, I, start three wide receivers this year. So wide receivers have... It, Scott has done a great job of tweaking the scoring ever so slightly that you can make an argument that this is a league all about receivers. This is a league all about running backs. This is a league all about quarterbacks. Hey, this is a league all about tight ends. Like, so at no 
position is truly it's a league all a, about dart throws. It's a league. It's a very even league, which is frustrating, which is a whole other thing because you're trying to take down like 900 other teams here, you know? And that's why another reason why I went with Devontae Adams. And then in the third round, I picked Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback one in the third quarterback in our draft. Cause like, I like the idea of having the weekly upside of this stack because I think this offense is going to so flow through Devontae Adams that I like that pairing. George Kittle is my second round pick, but from there, gross. I mean, I went with David Montgomery, Sony Michelle, Mark Ingram, like every running back that's just going to make you hate yourself this year. Got Allen Robinson, Curtis Samuel, sick. Like both of those, you know, those are my boys. Derek Carr, my guy Derek Carr is my second <laughs> quarterback. But the thing that did it to me this morning, get back from the gym, about to run into an hour-long meeting, sit at my desk, and I'm up on the clock, and for whatever I'm not going to curse here because we've cursed enough on this podcast and Brett is Way to show some restraint. Very like you. Yes, very much like me. I took Kareem Hunt in the 10th round. And like, why did I? <laughs> it was one of those moments. As soon as I hit click, I was like, why did I do? Can I, can I hit undo? Like, why did I do that? Because what's the, I just talked about not wanting to burn a hole in my roster for Chris freaking Herndon for two weeks. I got to sit Kareem Hunt dead weight on my roster for eight weeks or whatever in this gigantic league. And what, he's going to come back and get 11 touches a game. Oh, what a, oh, what a nightmare. Just, I can't believe I did that. I haven't drafted. I haven't even like been tempted to draft Kareem Hunt at all in any mock or whatever, any, best ball situation this offseason and for whatever reason here the freaking scott fishbowl i gotta go and draft kareem hunt and then just i mean maybe it could pay off i guess it's not a league that the waivers really matter as much because the, the they're rosters, impossible yeah the rosters are so that was my immediate first comfort to myself and i ate a fistful of dark chocolate almonds other than that i felt uh, that that was comforting enough so i hate my team i'm sorry about that i love my team perfect be positive but I so I drafted Nick. I was drafting from the second spot, and I don't remember. Oh, I drafted Alvin Kamara first from the one point oh two spot. Hell yeah! Um, Zeke goes first. I think Saquon went first. Like when Alvin Kamara over Saquon because I planned to stack Drew Brees as my QB two because I like that tandem. Mm And I feel like it gives my second quarterback a little bit more floor, which was an aim I had, as I expressed, heading in. So right now I've got Carson Wentz, Drew Brees. You're hoarding all of the touchdowns, really, from the from the Saints offense, except the, like, eight. That was the objective. Except the eight Latavius Murray's going to plop in there. But also noting it's a big play, I thought Kamara could hit a couple of home runs, and I'll take that. Then Nick Chubb with that. Can break away runway. I love. I'm all about Nick Chubb. Also, I bet I loved Nick Chubb like heading into the draft, and everyone's like, "No, no, no, his legs are cashed. That injury in Georgia, blah blah blah." And I was like, "Did you watch his tape? Yeah, he's so like, good. He's, he's always been really good. His, college, his post-injury college tape. Uh, Rashad Penny. I took later. I talked about why I liked him. Eh. Um, and then at wide receiver, I went Tyler Lockett, Calvin Ridley, Mike Williams. Really went for the big play uh, bonus there. You think so? I think Calvin oh. Ridley is like the most. Um, I mean, he's like, big, he was a big play guy last year. So, and I still think he can of of this receiver core. I think he's got a pretty nice. I think deep. once they balance it, but uh, after what like the top third of the season, and they balanced out and got Julio going, his efficiency went. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that like he's only a big play threat. I just think he has big play. Um, I just went with players I like. 
Yeah, sure. You know, that's a good Um, idea. And then I thought about stacking another receiver, adding another receiver, but I decided to go Njoku at tight end because it is tight end premium. And I got, I got a little, that's the one pick that I got a little scared and was kind of a coward about. Sure. I mean, could have done worse at tight end. You could have ended up with uh, Hayden Hurst. Indeed. (laughs) Which is definitely worse. Did you do that? No. Oh. (laughs) Listen, I I gave you all my picks so far. I don't know what kind of disaster. After after that Kareem Hunt disaster in round 10, I'm just excited to see what I'm going to do in round 11. Well, now it's just Throw up on my shoes. So if Matt does that, we'll report back to you next week. In the meantime, thank you for joining us. You can call our voicemail line and complain about whatever you want. Everything is fair. You can complain. You can ask questions. You can voice your opinions. It is a free country and self-expression is yours. 888-85-YAHOO. That obviously spells Yahoo. 888-85-YAHOO. Matt, talk to me about rookie orientation again. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We got Ed Oliver coming up this week. Follow us on Twitter, Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at LizLoz underscore FF. That's on Twitter and Instagram. And that is Matt Harmon underscore BYB also on the IG and Twitter. We out. 